Today is Friday, January 13. It has been eight weeks and five days since I filed for divorce. And it's been difficult lately for a variety of reasons. Um, one difficulty that I've been experiencing is Mike's complete lack of communication or near complete lack of communication, which is no surprise because the lack of communication is one of the contributing, major contributing factors to the failure of my marriage. Mike likes to seal people off and it makes it really hard to function like a normal person when around him. Um, it's been a long time, maybe a year or two, maybe more than two years, I don't know, since Mike doesn't take my phone calls. All of my phone calls roll directly to his voicemail. I guess he's got his phone set up like this because he makes me leave a voicemail first and then he picks up the voicemail and decides whether or not he's going to talk to me. And I don't call him very often. I don't want to talk to him. I don't have anything to say to him. I'm not trying to talk to him about my personal life or anything going on with me. The only reason I call Mike is to talk with him about our children or the schedule or an immediate issue or something like that. So I might call him if I need a question answered quickly about uh, if he's going to be here or there to get the kids or to meet with the kids or some other question about the weekend or schedule or uh, if there's an issue that I'm trying to bring him in on. Um, maybe there's a question or some plans that I want his input on, but it's all regarding our children. 100% of my phone calls to Mike and 100% of my text messages to Mike pertain to our children. I do not text him anything outside of parenting issues or call him about anything other than parenting issues. And so I think it's really juvenile and frustrating uh, what he's doing with his phone. There were several text messages I sent him the other day, all pertaining to our kids, all pertaining to our daughter, and he never bothered to reply. Our daughter was having an issue with her steer. That's her big FFA project. And she needed to get her livestock trailer, load up her steer, drive her steer to Dripping Springs, Texas, which is a long way from our house, unload him, be there, pay the bill, do all of these things, and it was unclear whether Mike was going to accompany her. And when I hadn't heard from our daughter in a while, I tried to call Mike and I texted Mike, hey, are you with our daughter? Are you going to the vet? Are you going to be there? You know, that kind of thing. And he just never bothered to reply. Just, I'm sure it's his way of punishing me or just showing me how little my requests mean to him, but it's very difficult to parent or it's very difficult to include him in the parenting when he's, when he cuts himself off, when he cuts off communication. And 
I will say I have worked very hard to keep Mike involved in the decision-making and the day-to-day lives of our children. And I don't have to do this, but I probably err on the side of communicating too much. I want him to feel involved. I want him to know what's going on in our kids' lives. Um, He did respond to a text message that I sent him this morning. I told him that our son was staying home from school because he didn't feel well and has a migraine and going to try to sleep it off. Our son gets migraines every few months or so, and um, the only way to get through them is to sleep them off. So I sent Mike a text message this morning that said our son was staying home from school today with a migraine, and he said, okay, bummer. So at least he replied to that, but... This leads me to my next point in dealing with my son. Over the last couple of weeks, my son has been really down. Um, His goat, his FFA project, his goat had to be euthanized, and it was devastating for him and for me and for Tori, too. It was awful. The goat jumped out of its pen at the school's barn and wrecked its leg, broke its leg in multiple places. I mean, bone was sticking out. It was really bad. And the animal had to be euthanized and it was horrible. This has been my son's project for the last, I don't know, eight, nine months. I mean, all summer he worked with that goat and now he has no project to show. And his entire freshman project is down the tubes after all the investment of time and money and effort. It's over. And so My son has been down, and I've been worried about him. Well, when I picked him up from school yesterday, I said, Are you okay? You seem very sad. He said, I'm fine. And I said, Well, that's not convincing. You seem like something is wrong. What's going on? I don't want to talk about it. And I said, Okay. And I said, Does this have something to do with Mary? Mary is his girlfriend. Well, I found out recently that he and Mary are not talking anymore. They are not boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. Come to find out, they broke up over the Christmas holidays, and I didn't even know. My son didn't share it with me, but that's fine. You know, whatever. I don't expect to be included on every little detail of his budding love life. So. He said, no, it didn't have anything to do with Mary. He didn't want to talk about it. And I said, you know, I really wish you would tell me why you and Mary decided not to keep talking. And he said, I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, that worries me. You know, I I would like to know why. And he goes, well, I I don't want you looking into it. I don't want you asking other people, and I don't want you talking about it. And I said, that's fine, son. I would never discuss your private personal life with anyone else. I said, but you know, you don't have to share with me every nitty gritty detail of what happened, all the minutiae of that. I said, but could you at least just give me, you know, we decided to break up so that we could talk to other people or we did, or we had a fight and we disagreed over something. So we're not talking anymore. Or, you know, I did something she didn't like. So we're, you know, I, I said, son, just give me something because, you know, I care about you and I love you and you don't have to tell me any details. Just tell me, you know, the gist of it. And he immediately said, um, are you and dad not divorced yet because of money? That's what he said. That was his response. Are you and dad 
not divorced yet because of money. And I thought, oh, this is an interesting twist in the conversation. And I said, well, son, that is a big part of the reason. I'll be honest. Um, working out the financial part of a divorce is very difficult for us and for all couples. And he said, well, oh, okay, well, you're, you're getting a divorce. Are you divorced yet? And I said, we are not divorced yet. Uh, the papers have been filed. We have not gone in front of a judge. We are still trying to work out the details. And the financial part of it is one thing that has not been worked out yet. And he said, well, are you going to take dad's house? Are you going to take the ranch? We call it the ranch. Are you going to take dad's house? I said, what? What are you talking about? Are you going to take, take that away? And I said, no, no, son. No, I'm not going to take that away. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't do that. And no, I, would, I said, your dad is keeping his house. I am keeping my house. That's it. I said, you know I don't want your dad losing that house. We love that house and the, and the land and the chicken coop and all the stuff. Why, why would you think that? Well, because I think this is about money. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm wondering where he's getting all this, and I'm sure it's from his dad, but um, he said, well, you can't afford to keep this house. And so now I know that he's talking to Mike because Mike's probably told him that. And I said, son, just for your information, I have made every house payment myself on our house. He said, you have? Well, how much money do you make? I said, I don't make a lot of money. I only make $34,000 a year, maybe a little bit more when I teach classes. But I have covered the house payment for the last three and a half years myself. I said, all the extras that we have, all your activities, all your entertainment, the things that we do, yes, dad's salary covers that. And he went on to talk about um, how much money his dad makes and am I trying to take that and just, you know, weird stuff that led me to believe that he must be having this conversation with his dad. And I said, look, we are trying to work all of this out so that we can both keep what we have and make it fair. I said, but you know, we, we have what's called community property. It is our estate. It's community property. It is stuff that's owned by both of us and we're going to try to divide that as evenly and as fairly as possible and you know the conversation was about this and about um, you know how much more his dad makes and it's not fair for me to take his dad's money and I, and I told my son again I said you know when your dad and I got married I was making more money actually and then we were making about the same and then I quit my job and I raised you kids. I said I stayed home for 10 to 12 years with you guys. And I said your dad was able to go on and, and build a very successful career. He never had to miss a day of work. You know, I'm telling him this whole story and saying, you know, I walked you to school every day. I helped you with your science fair projects. I took you to the doctor. I did all of those things. And I said, I put my career on hold to, to take care of you and your sister. And if I could do it all over again, I would do it exactly the same. I would never give up the experience I had 
in, in being home with you guys. I said, but that's been a sacrifice because right now I can't get, I can't seem to get my career back on track. I would like to earn more money, but when I go on interviews and I talk with people, they see a huge gap in my resume, you know, 10 to 12 years of a gap. And I said, while I was at home changing diapers and walk, watching Barney and Dora the Explorer, other people in my field were getting promoted, learning new skills, working their way up, maintaining their career. And I said, and mine stopped. And I have to pick up, try to pick up where I left off, which I haven't even been able to do. And I said, what I did was just as important as what your dad did. So while I'm telling him this, he's shaking his head no. Like he doesn't believe what I'm saying or he does not agree. And that was very sad to me because my son is a product of his environment and a product of his father and society and that we don't value when a parent decides to stay home and raise their kids. We don't, we as a society and a people don't really value that. It's just expected. You know, it's like my son feels like, well, yeah, that's what you did because you're the mom and that's just expected. And I said, you know, son, you're very young and you don't, you don't understand what it means to sacrifice like that for your kids. And you don't understand the importance that that played in your life. And I said, I hope someday you do understand. And I hope someday when you're married and you have kids, you and your wife can make this decision together and decide whether one of you will stay home or whether it's not worth it. And he just shook his head and acted like it wasn't a big deal or he didn't understand. I, I'm not even sure, but anyway, it was a big talk. And we also talked about, you know, why Mike and I aren't together. That came up again too. And, you know, why we're getting divorced. And I told him that I was tired of being lonely and... I, you know, I'm not doing a very good job recounting this conversation, but all the things that I told him were relevant to the conversation we were having. And I said, you know, your dad and I, your, your dad didn't want to do some of the same things I wanted to do. And he didn't want to sit with me and talk for hours. He didn't want to stare up at the sky and look at stars and just be together. And he didn't want to hold hands and didn't, you know, he doesn't want to talk and, you know, that kind of thing. And and he said, well, Mary Alden told me that she didn't want to be my girlfriend anymore because I'm cold and I don't want to talk like she does. I said, really? I said, well, you've heard the expression, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And he said, yes, I know. It sounded exactly like what you've talked about, why you don't want to be with dad. And he said, dad and I are just alike like that. And I was sad for him. It hurt my heart because apparently this girl um, felt like my son was cold and distant. And that's how I felt about Mike. And I told my son, I said, well, I said to him, there's a fire truck going by. I said to him, you know, son, that's up to you. That's up to you. You don't have to be cold. You don't have to be distant. You don't have to be like that. 
And I said, I hope someday that you have someone that you love in your life that makes you feel like you can open up and you can be more than that. That you don't have to be distant and quiet. And um, he just shook his head and, you know, he didn't want to talk about it anymore. He did joke at one point during our conversation and he said, I brought up this whole divorce thing just to get you off the subject of me and Mary. And he said, and look, it worked. And I said, well, that's stupid. I said, you know, I want to be close with you, son. I want to talk with you. And so it was a big conversation and one that needed to be one that needed to be had. I want to be close to my son. I want him to confide in me. Uh, he doesn't feel like he can, and he gets that example from his dad. One of the things also that he brought up in the conversation was he said, why did you tell dad that I told you how fast he drove? And I said, I'll tell you why. I said, we have a temporary court order agreement in place that states that your dad cannot drive over the speed limit with you in the car. And I said, and when your dad drives with you like that in the car, he's violating that. And I said, if he would get arrested and have to go in front of a judge, he is jeopardizing his visitation rights and his rights with you. We have a court order, a temporary order that states he cannot drive with you like that in the car, that he cannot drive over the posted speed limit. And I said, you know, think about the consequences if he would be caught. Let's say he would be arrested. We'd have to bail him out of jail. He would be jeopardizing his visitation with you. I don't know what that would even mean in terms of his um, job. He'd probably lose his company car. I said, and driving that fast with you in the car is a felony. That is a serious crime. And I said, so I reminded your dad that he can't drive with you in the car like that. I said, so if you ask me, I did him a favor, and as the parent, I protected you. I said, and I know I made a promise that I would not tell dad, but it's sometimes parental duties take precedence over promises. You're my son, and I love you, and I want you to be safe. And I said, your dad cannot drive like that with you in the car. And I said, next time he does, you might want to remind him that if he gets caught, there are serious consequences especially in this case, for a bunch of reasons. So I don't know if he understood that. He felt violated that I broke my promise and I talked with Mike about him not driving like that. But I'm sorry if my son is upset with me and, you know, maybe he won't confide in me again in the future, but I did what I thought was right and that's all I can do.